Hello, fellow gamers. Uh, after a long break, February, an unexpected break, February, uh, we are back. Rolling for Change is back, and uh, this time around, we've got an episode for you about Star Wars and gaming. Although, to be perfectly honest, we just kind of broke into geekdom on a regular basis and talked about our love of Star Wars and the various ways that Star Wars has impacted us. But the ancillary, the the, the I don't know if the ancillary idea, the middle idea, the, the central idea to the podcast was supposed to be to talk about the many, many games that encompass the Star Wars universe and how those games impact us and, and why it is that we would need to play uh, Star Wars game-based games or any IP for that matter, you know? So I think that we had a great discussion. We are joined by our new friend Dave Johnson. Uh, who had a lot of good things to say about uh, his love of Star Wars and the way that Star Wars has impacted his life. And I'm sure that you're going to be thoroughly entertained by our discussion, um, if not screaming at the podcast some, which is, I guess, the mark of all good podcasts. How many times have you been sitting in the car listening to a podcast and you hear somebody, somebody you like, somebody that you really enjoy listening to, but they say something that's just completely off and you're like, that's not how it happened. That's not, I don't know if you've ever done that. I've done that on a few occasions. I'm not, I'm, I'm okay. I'm open to admitting it. It's, it's okay. We can, <laughs> we can be critical of others and, and still uh, enjoy podcasts. So you may yell at us some, but uh, we hope you enjoy this podcast very much. And uh, uh, we'll see you uh, in another galaxy far, far away. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, actually it was 1977, a teenager, well I wasn't even a teen at the time, watched one film more than any other film I had ever watched before in that year. It was Star Wars and I watched it 32 times that year. One of those times was sitting in a theater and my mother dropped me off at the start of the day and picked me up at the end of the day, and I spent the entire day watching Star Wars. I played LPs. I listened to the songs. I listened to the story disc. I read books. I was a fanatic. And today I'm joined by two other Star Wars fanatics to talk about in this episode of Rolling for Change what it's like to game in the Star Wars universe, and why gaming in the Star Wars universe matters. So, uh, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Brian Peace. <laughs> <laughs> and new co-host, Dave Johnson. I would make an Ewok sound, but I have no idea. So, Yeah, I don't. I, all I've got is Jub Nub. I could do a crate uh, dragon scream, but that's that'd be really <laughs> like overload. It would wake my family up and overload the uh, the mic. <clears throat> yeah, okay, we go into the red. That's that's fine. Um, so hi guys. Um, this uh, this of course this idea came up with the rise of Skywalker and the opening of uh, Rise of Resistance at uh, Disney Parks and. Uh, 
Of course, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, but I'm not such a Star Wars nerd that I could tell you everybody in the Cantina in uh, New Hope. But, you know, uh, I, I think I can probably geek out pretty well on Star Wars. But this is a podcast about board gaming and well, gaming in general. And I wanted to really get at Star Wars through the eyes of board games. So let, let's do some quick introductions, especially for uh, Dave, because Dave's never been here on on Rolling for Change before. Uh, oh, is that what this is? Okay. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like, uh, so, so Dave, uh, what what brought you here besides recommendations from other people? Uh, well, the the, the uh, Star Wars mini, I, I play all the, the mini games and I actually uh, don't play Legion, but I paint Legion. Uh, I've got two uh, teenage sons that are both into a lot of the games. But uh, for us, like for most people, I think the introduction was X-Wing. Um, for me... Uh, I, I was had gotten into board gaming, but really was unaware of the whole uh, FFGS, you know, the Imperial Assault and uh, even Destiny, I think, which in X-Wing, which uh, even non-Star Wars people are aware of it. But I just wasn't. Um, I, I, I uh, in 2006, it was May of 2016, I had a, a heart transplant. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> Wow, that's ugly. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm going to drink here. It'll just be part of your language. Then yeah. Just understand that's, that's that this my, is the way Dave speaks. That's the closest to the to the um, uh, the Wookiee uh, thing you're going to get from me. <laughs> but um, so I had a heart transplant. But prior to that, um, it, it was like a it was a it, I, and I won't bore everybody with the whole long story, but it's a big, long, twisting story. I was in heart failure for about 20 years. And uh, it, it finally kind of came to a head uh, about the time um, uh, about, you know, we, we moved to Pennsylvania here in 2013, um, where we live now. But uh, so in, in the, the three or four years prior to the transplant, I was spending a lot of time in the hospital. They'd bring me in for a couple of weeks at a time uh, and place what they call these, these catheters. It's like a wire that kind of goes down into your heart and but you're cognizant, you know, and you're up and around. You, most people think of hospitals as people who just kind of, you know, passed out and, and hooked up to machines and all that. And I was hooked up to some IV medications and things like that. But I could walk around and, you know, go down to the cafeteria or whatever. So we, we were presented with this problem of me being away from my family. And, and our kids were, you know, probably junior high age at the time. And uh, they come to the hospital, but if you you know if you've ever been in that situation, you're kind of sitting around looking at each other like, what do we do? You know, watch whatever's on the TV, which is boring. And uh, so we started playing board games. And then my my son, uh, one of these times, brings in just the the, the core little introduction introductory uh, X wing game, and we were playing games on card tables, uh, just a card table that we kind of set up, and it's cramped in the room. But, uh, man, we played through that like one time and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got to figure out how <laughs> to, to find, we got to find room uh, to play this. So we would, we would go down and use, we like, you know, kind of schmooze people and get the keys to these conference rooms where the tables were bigger. We'd go down to the cafeteria and have it all spread out on a, on a table. It was really weird, I guess, for people to see this guy in a, <laughs> you know, in a hospital gown, uh, you know, and, and hooked up to these IV poles sitting here, you know, playing these little uh, ship games, but that it became a real core um, uh, 
this thing for us as a family kind of, and especially for me and my boys kind of locking into that game together. And that of course is translated over to all the other games that we play now. Uh, and so that, that's kind of the short, that's the long short, uh, version of how I got into it. <laughs> and a lot of stuff has happened since then. But. Wow. That, that's a heck of a story. Um, so you're, you have a heart transplant. You have someone else's heart. Yeah, I do. And and so I guess it, it's worth mentioning, too. Uh, I, it would have started like in 2013 when we moved here. I was I was in the hospital for like two weeks out of every six to eight. So I'd, I'd be in the hospital for a couple of weeks, home for a couple of weeks, and we were going back and forth doing this. Um, so uh, we got to that, let's say like, yeah, like fall of 2013. So by the time we get around to about August of 2015, my uh, liver and kidneys started to fail. And of course, I'm going to the med center out here, Hershey Med Center. And um, that that was happening because my heart just was not perfusing, you know, not, not they weren't getting enough blood. Uh, and so we didn't want me to end up being a multiple organ, needing multiple organs, because um, that's a that's a, a nightmare uh, beyond even just needing the one organ. So uh, they they have what's called a uh, TAH program out there. It's T A H. It stands for a Total Artificial Heart. So the acronym is TAH. And they actually take your. It's not an assist device, which a lot of people think of like LVADs and. Uh, things like that. This is a. It's pretty radical. They they take your whole heart out and replace it with a uh, uh, like a plastic and rubber device that sits in your chest and basically simulates your heart. I'm glad this is like a sci-fi thing. So maybe people are kind of like, wow, you know, getting, it's like a, it's like something out of Star Trek, you know. So this is this is in your chest in place of your heart, and it's powered. Uh, you know, you've got you know like an incision that has to be dressed and all that and uh these these tubes that come out and they go to this little 18 pound pump that you carry around in a backpack and that sounds it sounds like a science fiction but if you go up to hershey med and go in the um in the front uh, lobby there and look to your right you can see the prototype for this and it's a program they're only doing in a few places in the country so that that they implanted me with that just so that i didn't lose the other organs and this would have been August of 2015. And then I came home with that for about four months. And then uh, and did we go to, I want to say, we went to some tournament. We went to like a regional tournament or something. And, you know, I'm plugging this thing into the wall. It's got batteries that, that charge and all this. So, like, we were really avidly into it. Um, but, but we did, so I was home for about four, four or five months and then had to go back and live in the hospital from January of uh, 16 until I was actually t- transplanted with a real, an actual donor heart uh, in May of 16. So about four months at home, maybe five months in the hospital, so nine months altogether on this thing. And, uh, you know, so a lot of downtime for me, you know, I was not out uh, bungee jumping and rock climbing and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. I'm a musician. I couldn't really do anything. So, man, we, we gamed like crazy. I mean, we got into... Imperial Assault. We started playing the um, uh, Edge of the Empire RPG, which is kind of another, you know, not not a, a table. Well, I guess it is a table game, but um, a, a lot of Imperial Assault and Destiny, X-wing. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Armada player now. I'm, I'm terrible at it, but it's my favorite game <laughs> ever. Um, so uh, yeah, so we we just we got into all of that during that time because you're kind of home. I was homebound to a large degree. And then in the hospital, I was fortunate enough when I went in there, I got a, I got the biggest room on the unit because they knew I was going to be there waiting 
for a while. So, uh, man, we, you know, we, <laughs> it looked like, you know, a, a game cafe or something, bringing in all these games and all the, uh, Imperial Assault and Armada and X-Wing stuff. And we'd leave it there. And, and the cool thing, uh, I, this is what I was telling you earlier, you have to shut me up at some point because <laughs> I can just go on and on. But there, there was, there was a point where, um, we started, I started getting to know other patients and they started getting interested, interested in these games and you're on a cardiac ICU. So it was a really cool uh, kind of bonding thing for, for some people, uh, just board games in general. And uh, for our family, X-Wing certainly was, was a big deal. So um, that's, was that's it primarily Star Wars that you played or did you play other games? We played, um, so we, you know, we were just getting into stuff. So we were still kind of in the Catan stage. If ever, I think everybody's been through that. We don't have yeah. to be embarrassed. It's everybody's been through the Catan <laughs> ticket to ride. Thing. Um, but yeah, we were getting into stuff like Dice City and, um, you know, crunchier, a little crunchier stuff. Can Candemir is one of the Catan games. It's a little, oh, yeah. a little more. Oh, yeah, I have Candemir. Yeah, I love Candemir. Um, but yeah, we were, we were just exploring other stuff. Castles of Matt, of King Ludwig and... Um, Castle Dice, a lot of stuff with Castle in the name. <laughs> uh, started playing Destiny a little bit there, and I had a friend that had got who uh, had started getting into this with his son. Um, we're both in our forties, and um, he he had started playing Destiny and Imperial Assault and some uh, with his kids. So we would come up. He he would come up to the hospital with his son. My two kids would come up, and there'd be six of us crammed in this hospital room. You know, around this table playing whatever the game was uh, that week or my family and the doctors come in like what what the hell's going on in here you know because but we I was bored I mean there was and and so uh, this was it was something that we did at home before all this started and we didn't want to lose that you know so we would just grab a game and go try to find the biggest table we could if it was in a waiting room somewhere or whatever I could leave the unit with my my wife, because she was trained on, and my kids were both trained on this equipment, the, this artificial heart. Uh, if something went wrong, they knew what to do, and uh, so they'd let me kind of wander a bit. And um, we've got uh, pictures. I can send you guys later. We got pictures of us, you know, set up in the cafeteria at Hershey Med with this, you know, we're like the rebellion board game set up with all those ships and everything. And um, we're we're like most gamers when you start doing that stuff in a public place. We're at the far end of the room. And there's a lot of empty tables around us, you know, and because mm-hmm. uh, people would just they would kind of kind of peer over like, what in the world's going on? And then they would just avoid, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're either attracted to it or you're 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 separated from you're, it. Like you, you look over and there's oh, there's people playing games. I got to go or I gotta get you're like, what is that? What's going what on? What are you doing? Right. It was just fascinating to me that you got doctors and PAs and all this who have you know, has spent years and years uh, edu- being educated and, and studying anatomy and physiology and, uh, you know, biochemistry and all these other things would, would, they would sit there and look at X-Wing and say, I, I don't, I don't think I could play this. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, it looks too confusing to me. I'm like, you're a heart surgeon. How is this too, con- that's worrisome. <laughs> right. You're, you're going to put my heart in? That <laughs> This is confusing for you. But it was just, it was funny, the different reactions, you know, but we kind of became known as that, that family, you know, the, the, the family that plays the games down there, you know, and uh, 1170 was the room I was in. So that was, uh, it just kind of became a thing, and uh, the other patients would wander in from time to time, and we play and introduce that, them to gaming. So that's all pretty inspirational. I mean, you're you're sure your last name's not Prouse? No, it is not. <laughs> no, 
No, yeah, it's a it's a wild story. I mean, it's um, <clears throat> it's one of the reasons I got involved with the, the well, my whole family were involved with the Bodana group uh, out in York, you know, because they try mm-hmm. to use um, it, one of the the, the initial uh, things that that we saw possibly happening was being able to take gaming into some of these children's cancer wards and uh, you know uh, some of the ICUs where there, there are patients that are cognizant and they're just sitting there you know, uh, with nothing to do and, and they're bored and you get this thing called, uh, uh, ICU delirium where people start losing track of time and space and, yeah, and all this. And of course, you know, we all know if you game, you stay sharp. I mean, it just, it exercises parts of your brain that you don't, don't use otherwise, uh, in most cases, uh, that is not panned out the way we wanted it to, because there's an incredible amount of red tape and, uh, insurance issues and payment issues and all kinds of things to do that. But that's ultimately something we'd really like to see uh, with Bodana is, is being able to get into some of those, those spaces where gaming could be such a huge benefit and, uh, uh, you know, for, for families or whatever and, and, and kids that are, that are in there long term. Um, you know, and it, it's, just, it's just such a difficult thing the way our, our, the medical uh, industry, can I call it the medical industry? <laughs> is, yeah. Is, uh, cause that's what it is. Um, you know, is, is set up. It just makes it very difficult, but, but we're still working at it. It's interesting. We're all trying to, to jump through hoops for other people in order to bring games to people and yeah. to, to, uh, you know, help people experience the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, well that, that's really exciting. Um, and I, I, I look forward to hearing more about your, your work to get games in hospitals. Um, but we're going to continue on talking about Star Wars because that's kind of the, the right. point of this episode. Yeah. Um, I'll say I've been I've been keeping track, trying to keep track of the games you've dro- you've name dropped, mm-hmm. and so far and so far you've um you've so far you said you've played the uh, basically the top four um, Star Wars games on Board Game Geek. Yeah. Star yeah. Wars Rebellion, Imperial mm-hmm. Assault, mm-hmm. X Wing, and Armada. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Destiny, he's mentioned. Destiny, which uh, I think which is a collectible card game. Yeah, they're getting I ready to Destiny. can that one. I miss Destiny. Re- That's number five. Yeah, is it number five? <laughs> so you play Le- the top Le- five. Yeah, and Legion's in there. So, like, I I know how to play Legion. It's just, you know, you know, if you got you guys play many games, you guys do no. Warhammer. Okay. I, I don't myself. No. Okay, I don't so, want to go down that little that little. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> the yeah exactly. <laughs> so this is like you know for for everybody that does that, and you know I'm I've got two kids and my wife two kids, and you know we're on a, a pretty limited income and all of that, and. uh so, you know, you find yourself as you're unwrapping, uh, unboxing your like third core set of Armada. You're like, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to get into any more of these. And then, you know, four weeks later, there you are opening another core set of Imperial Assault or whatever the new expansion. And it just never ends, you know. Uh, so we, we kind of drew the line at, at Legion because it is it's just prohibitively expensive. And we don't have time to play the, the games that we, that we already have enough. Uh, we've got campaigns sitting on the shelf that haven't been played and um, that kind of thing. So, uh, but we are paint. We we love to paint. Uh, but my my oldest son and I both paint uh, Imperial Assault. He paints. He does custom X wing uh, minis, things of that nature, and we both paint Legion. So we're I guess we're we're into that to some degree, but not as much as the others. All right. So my history now, I have played seven of the top 20 games. Um, The very first one I ever played 
was the very first one I ever bought. And I'm kind of ashamed to admit it's the first one I ever played. Uh, Trivial Pursuit, Star Wars Classic Trilogy oh, yeah. Collector's oh, Edition in 1998. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love it for the two or three times I actually got to play it. Right. No what. Because no one will play no it. No one me. will play it with you, right? <laughs> the three of us should get together and play. I have nobody to play that game with. The only game that I could wipe the f- walls with more than that one would be a Harry Potter trivial pursuit oh, really? game. Yeah. I, I could own people with that one. It's, wow. It would be hilarious. Um, but the only reason is because the the board games that came out really didn't enthuse me that mm. much. It was the video games that got me. Right. You're um, talking about early on, games. right? Yeah, early on. Uh, the, I mean, the old West End role-playing game, Wizards oh, of the Coast yeah. had the D20, and now Fantasy Flight has one. I've never played the Fantasy Flight. I've got to get hold of that. It's good. Then there's you know Knights of the Old Republic and the old um, uh, Rogue One games, mm-hmm. X-Wing, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, um, those old PC games and uh, Xbox mm-hmm. games. Dark um, Forces. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a there's a new um, MMO called Combine that's online that's free to play. I've, Combine. I've, I've just, Star Wars Combine. Oh. Um, it's it's not even one you download. If I'm not mistaken, it's one you play on your browser. And I've just created an ID for it because I just discovered it doing research for this. Um, so I've I really am looking forward to getting into that. The ones that I've played are Rebellion, yeah, which they yeah. advertise it as two to four players, but it's it a really is a two-player two game. game. Um, you mean Imper- the, the board the board game Rebellion? Yeah, Star Wars because the, there, there's an RPG. Well, it's I guess it's called uh, Age of Rebellion. Age of Rebellion, you're right? Yeah, yeah, that board game. Yeah, that's the Fantasy Flight game. That right. um, yeah, I've that's the Fantasy Flight. Yeah. Age of Rebellion is just one of the one of the books for it it right basically the game you're playing takes place in the rebellion period then there's an older one and a newer one right um imperial assault i've really enjoyed yeah yeah um x-wing miniatures i had to sell all my miniatures for that um primarily because i was going down that rabbit hole and every time i saw someone sale i had to grab all the things and um let's see i played star wars the card game the one from 2012 Okay. Um, never really got into that one because I don't really like living card games all that much. Queen's Gambit, which I've played with Woody. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars Carcassonne. Oh, Carcassonne was a thing. Oh yeah, that one's fun. Yeah, huh. and Star Wars the customizable card game from back in '95. Those okay. are the only ones I've really played. I haven't played Loop and Chewy. I got to get that one. I got to get that one to a table sometime. <laughs> And I really want to play uh, Star Wars Outer Rim. That's what it I'm is. Fantastic. That's good fantastic. to hear. Yeah, it's uh, that's good to hear because I was. Have you guys ever played the Firefly board game? Yes. yes. Okay. It Outer Rim is what that should have been. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. You have my full attention. Yeah. Right. You know, what I mean, it's just like it's fun. The Firefly game's fun, but you kind of get to the end of it, and you feel like you haven't, other than kind of trying to move the Reavers or whatever into somebody else's space. You yeah. can't really. There's not a lot of player interaction in Outer Rim. I mean, you you really, I mean, you're you're upgrading sh- your ship and doing jobs for different people, and you're out. You're trying to, you know, if you're a bounty hunter, you're trying to capture Chewbacca or Han Solo or vice versa. You know, they're they're on the hunt for Bosk. Or, so it's it's yeah, it it's a lot of back and forth across the board, like Firefly doing jobs and collecting bounties and all that. But it's when you come away from it, you really feel like you had like a Star Wars 
a real Star Wars board game experience. Firefly at the end, you just kind of felt like, well, I, I did some jobs, you know. Yeah, to me, yeah. it just it's, it's just kind of not as fulfilling as I wanted it to be. And Outer Rim is there's there's so much content. And the single player is fantastic as well. That's one of the things. That. That is one of the things that stood out to me is it's one to four players. And I'm like, a single player game? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a it's teacher. Nice. Summer break would be fun with that. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's a um, little different every time you play it because each you know character, there's a little bit of an RPG element built into it. Not real heavy, but it's enough that you, you feel like you're kind of in charge of what you're doing and what you're buying and which jobs you're taking and upgrading things and all that. So. I'll get a little quiz for you then, Dave. Have you played the Star mm. Wars LCG, the card game? I've got one deck and and never have had anyone to play it with, really, because okay. by the by the time I we moved around a lot before with this whole heart thing and then landed here and by the time <clears throat> we kind of got our head above water, Destiny had come out, so we we were playing that and it just didn't right. go back to the old to the older one. Okay, how about Queen's Gambit, the old uh, 2000 uh, episode one game? Yeah, I played, man, I played that on an old, like, 386 or something. I mean, it's been ages, but yeah, I think I, I think I dabbled with it a bit. Maybe I played the demo. You might yeah, be thinking that, that was a, a board different game. game. You're talking, no, about, you're talking about the the video game, right? No, or, no, 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 the oh. board game. Oh, I'm thinking of something different. No, I haven't played that. Okay, how about Risk Star Wars Edition? Oh, yeah. You've played that one? Yeah, once. Okay. And how about Star Wars Epic Duels from 2002? No, man, you really got me there. Wow. Wow. Okay, so uh, you I'm I'm a a fantasy flight uh, uh, sheep. (laughs) You you have done far better than me. You've played uh, seven of the top ten, and you've played all of the top six. Well, that's great. Well done. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Uh, you say, you're saying that. I'm just sitting here seeing dollar signs, like ching, ching, yeah, ching, Yeah, once you ching. say Fantasy Flight, you're seeing dollar signs, basically. Right. But they do it right. I mean, They do. You know, them getting a hold of this IP has been fantastic for it all has. Star Wars fans and gaming fans. I, I am a little salty. I imagine you are, too, if, you, if you're an Imperial Assault fan, that they are not supporting that anymore. Um, but I know there's something going There's some, something with the deal with Hasbro that is just not... They were having trouble negotiating things or whatever, but I, I, I love that. That and Armada are probably my two favorite of everything. But they're not doing any more. I think the the last tournament for Imperial Assault is is either just passed or it's coming up, and then they're not doing any more. Uh, no more, no more expansions. No, no more. more expansions. Nothing. And I'm thinking, man, well, it would have been great, right, to have a Rogue One expansion, to have a, oh, uh, yeah. a solo expansion, to have. I mean, there's so much content there. Uh, we never got a Clone Wars expansion, really. Um, so yeah, it's that's a little, a little fr- frustrating. Um, and I do love about Fantasy Flight. I have to say, uh, I'm a, I'm the old uh, I'm, I'm a big EU uh, guy from back back in the the dark ages in the '90s before the prequels and all that with the books and everything. And they've done a great job of kind of reaching into that into that old canon a little bit, despite the fact that it's retired and, and they're pulling out some characters that were very popular uh, in that and have kind of ignored. It's kind of weird because I know Disney owns it. Disney says, well, that's retired. Um, yeah, but, it's, it's legend or whatever right. you want to call it but, now. But Fantasy Flight is not stuck to that so much. They have with some – they've stayed away from big characters like Mara, Jade, Skywalker, and 
you know the solo twins but you'll you'll every once in a while you'll get um some minor characters that they I guess they feel it's safe for Disney feels like wow, we're never going to use those so go ahead so that that's always interesting to me how those pop up from time to time in the fantasy flight games yeah and it's difficult for them to commit to those because now they're not um yeah they're not canon anymore they're not right and i don't want to get into the criticality of it all but i was very uh frustrated with that choice on disney's part but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there yeah i understand it but yeah you know that that's really what it comes down to i do understand yeah so here's the question gentlemen why star wars why does it matter in the gaming universe we've got plenty of games there's no reason whatsoever to pull Star Wars into gaming except, you know, as a cash grab by Fantasy Flight or those people who join in on it like Hasbro when they made Queen's Gambit. Okay. What is the reason that Star Wars makes a difference to us as gamers? Wow, that's it's like asking why um, <clears throat> breathing matters to humans. I mean... Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Most gamers are, at their core geeks i would say all but some of them resist that term because you know older generations that was a horrible horrible thing to call someone but almost all gamers are a combination of geek nerd or dork you know Mm. i mean let's face it they are i'm not sure i'm buying that but continue on Uh, i've I've been to pax unplugged man i'm telling you i've I've video footage Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah we're a weird bunch we are we are a weird Mm -hmm. bunch that's certainly true yeah um and the vast majority of us started on that path with things like Star Wars. Mm. Most of us okay, didn't realize fair. most of us didn't realize exactly how far down that rabbit hole we were going to go until we hit Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I remember on the playground, I was the tallest kid on the playground, so I was the natural one to play Darth Vader or Chewbacca. Yeah. And I became the natural one to play Chewbacca whenever they realized I could do Chewbacca sounds. Oh, yeah. Uh, then Now you're typecast. So, <laughs> right. And, you know, I was the kid who never got upset I never got to play Han Solo. I was never upset I never got to play um, play Luke. Um once in a while upset I never got to play Leia, but you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Darth Vader and Chewbacca were just like the big presences in the thing for me. And I'd be kind of glommed onto those characters. And as we got older, other people kind of fell away or stopped admitting that they liked that thing. And I always let my geek flag fly, no matter how much trouble it bought me. Um, and the idea of this, these, you know, Star Wars being about a rebellion, about people who stood up for what they believed in, about people who sacrificed for what they believed in. And as a kid who had to sacrifice his own standing in society by rejecting the, you know, schoolyard empire of popularity, Mm -hmm. it really resonated with me. Okay. Yeah. Brian, how old are you? I am 48. I'll be 49 oh, in November. I just turned 49, so exact same thing. Uh, you, you, when I talk about the 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 dark years, you know, uh, yeah, the, the in the 90s, man, between between Jedi and uh, and, Phantom and, Menace. and Phantom Menace, yeah, that that was it was it was a dark time, you know, if you were a Star <laughs> yeah. Wars fan, and so yeah, I'm, I mean, my answer to that would would be it's it's. I think, you know, we could go down a whole, uh, you know, 
rabbit hole with the, the Joseph Campbell um, hero of a thousand faces thing. It's this universal story of the, the underdog's triumph, you know, the triumph over evil and, and uh, you know, crossing the, the threshold and all the, all these kind of things. Um, that That's a story that resonates, I think, with with everybody. There's those universal elements in Star Wars that Joseph Campbell pointed out that you, you've got it in the Bible, you've got it in Lord of the Rings, you've got it in, I mean, you could go on and on, right? Um, and so I think there's automatically that appeal. It was like maybe the first time that that, that story had been presented in a futuristic manner, like in, in this mm-hmm. kind of space opera idea. Um, and, I, you know, pr- probably much much like, like, like Brian and uh, uh, most people my age, I mean, I remember sitting in, in the back of the uh the chevy ford the green chevy ford with the wood paneling at the drive-through you know uh-huh uh in 77 my dad was a big planet of the apes and uh, lost in space fan and all that so he was there opening night and uh you know to see this new science fiction movie and it was nothing like he expected i guess and he's not today still like such an avid star wars fan but i'm very fortunate that he was into it enough that he went opening night and then and now i can say i've actually i've been at every single star wars uh film on uh opening day at least like all all, even solo and rogue one and all that um which remind me later if we come back i've got an interesting story about the interesting story about uh, force awakens and okay. the artificial heart, but um, I don't want to get off on that right now. But but yeah, there's I think there's that universal thing, and there's also um, this phenomenon. You guys will know exactly. Everybody knows this if you've been into Star Wars for a long time. Is you know it was real popular whenever I was uh, in in kind of elementary school, junior high school. I mean, I had the the odd kid that would. I was in a Battle Star as well, and I remember almost getting beat up because I was wearing a Battle Star shirt one time, uh, like fourth grade or something. But you know, it, it was big then. Yeah. And then when Jedi went away, uh, when when those that original trilogy was done, it was like it went into kind of this dark period. Like, okay, it's over, and it was it was enjoyable. Yeah, like nobody hated Star Wars, but you were still kind, you were really kind of a nerd if you still held on to that. And man, I was like, you know, uh, Charlton Heston of the NRA, like from my cold dead hands, like this is Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is alive. This is my thing, you know. And I'm buying the books and buying the comics and anything related to it um, through those years, and took a lot of verbal kind of, uh, you know, in, in good spirit, but a lot of verbal bullying uh, in a way uh, for being a grown up who is still into Star Wars. And when the Phantom Menace hit. I remember days before you could buy tickets on the internet, or at least I didn't know that if you, I, I didn't buy them on the internet. I slept outside on the concrete sidewalk overnight with about 50 other people to get tickets for yeah. it. So when you're into it to that degree, your peers, people your age start kind of looking at you like, man, something's wrong with this guy. So I feel justified now in having held on to it for that period of time because I can walk into Walmart and you know, Joe Blow law, you know, who works at, uh, you know, at such such law office is in there buying his kid a Star Wars T-shirt. Um, doctors and Indian chiefs and whatever, like everybody's into Star Wars. Now there's this universal kind of acknowledgement that, you know what, this is a great story. It's probably the greatest story of our time. I, I, I with all apologies to Harry Potter fans, I love Harry Potter. <laughs> 
But you know what I mean? Like now I feel like, okay, those 10, 12 years in there, I was kind of getting verbally beat up and ostracized a little bit and treated like I was just being childish. It's come full circle now and Star Wars is mainstream. And I'm, I'm able to stand back and, you know, in a good spirited way, say, aha, see, I told you, <laughs> I told you that this was, this was worthy of your time and attention. Uh, right. and, and the story is worth, it, there's everything that, that Brian said about, uh, you know, kind of being the outcast and the underdog and fighting the, uh, the um, you know, being popular and, and all of that stuff. Uh, it, it resonates with people on some level. Uh, and, and I think, I think for, for me particularly, just having held on to it for all that period of time from the time I was seven years old up to now and seeing what it has become, uh, regardless of what you think about the Disney buyout and all that stuff, it's, it's, sure. um, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of justification. It's kind of like, yeah, man, that this, this belongs to me, but, but I'm glad that everybody can share it now. <laughs> you know, I kept it alive during the nineties, buying the books. And right. Some helping. of us kept the flame and yeah, we were kind of looked away from us. Right. You, exactly. You know, it, it came down to, I mean, you mentioned Joseph Campbell and I think that's a really important place to start because regardless of what George Lucas himself thinks of the universe he created, yeah. which sometime I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of sad that, you know, you, you created such a, a wonderful story, such an amazing thing that touched so many people's lives and you still see it as kid stuff. Yeah, and he that concerns un- me a yeah. lot, but he but doesn't understand is, it. He used the principles of Joseph Campbell's work. He wrote with a thousand faces and there's a, for those who haven't watched it, there's a really great series with Joseph Campbell when, in which he spends some time with George Lucas and they talk about uh-huh. the various, you know, mythological archetypal themes that are running throughout Star Wars. And you can kind of see why it has this universal appeal and why it's come to be this huge thing that it's become. Because now if you look at you look at Walt Disney World now, the most popular thing in Walt Disney World now is Rise of the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. To get into that, okay, so personal stories here. I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and that's not even as early as most people have gotten up. Get to the park by 6 uh, a.m., and I was there with probably maybe 5,000 people waiting to get in the gate. And even then, you get in the gate maybe 7 o'clock, and even at 7 o'clock, you're sitting there, you're on an app, and you're trying to get your boarding pass to get on Rise of the Rebellion, and everybody's waiting around in the park all day for their boarding pass to come up. Mm-hmm. And if you get in the first 112 or so, you're probably pretty likely to get a, a chance to, to ride this. But the the thing about it is that is completely flooding the parks right now. Yeah. In, in January, Disney World is typically much deader than it is right now. And then you look even farther and you have Disney concocting this idea of creating a hotel that creates, oh my God, this is amazing. It creates tours through space uh, on, a, I think, on an Imperial cruiser. And you are on that cruiser for, I think, four or five days. And that's your experience. You don't leave the cruiser. You see the world outside the video windows of the cruiser itself, and you experience whatever you experience on the ship. So it's it's a virtual cruise ship in space. Yeah. Um, and this hasn't opened yet, but it will be opening, uh, I think, in 2021. And um, it's it's just so exciting to see what they're doing with it. And so we can see that our our willingness to keep the flame alive through the dark years, through yeah. the times that Star Wars wasn't popular was meaningful and those of us who kept it alive are now 
infecting the world in throngs to the point yeah. that the biggest entertainer in in our world, Disney, has thrown all its money and all its efforts into yeah. uh, into building up a Star Wars experience. Well, it launched a whole streaming service on the strength uh, on the on, on the, the strength of the Mandalorian, the bet, right? Just on the bet that if it has Star Wars on it, people are going to sign up for it. They're going to do it. You know? Do you guys think too? I mean, there's something when you're talking about this virtual cruise ship. There's a there's this thing to me that I, I feel like the strongest personally, the strongest pull for me to be involved still in the Star Wars universe, whether it's flying planes around a table, you know, starships around a table, or um, doing a VR thing, like the, uh, not a VR thing, but you know what I mean, the the, the cruise ship thing. Yeah. Um, every, everything from that to the role playing games. There, I think there is such a strong uh, desire or, or com- compulsion uh the, with these characters like they're they're the characters are so strong and their stories are so compelling i is a better way to say it that mm-hmm. it's like you want to be them you know you want to inhabit not necessarily that you want to be han solo or be princess leia but you want to inhabit that universe there's something nostalgic and futuristic about it that is that is so compelling and um I, for me, like I just remember since I was seven, I mean, I was I came home and was building with cardboard boxes and stuff, trying to build the Millennium Falcon so I could sit inside of it. You know, like yeah. I want I want to be in that universe for me that I think probably even a better answer to your earlier question for me, anything I can do to get inside that universe, books, movies, uh, games, whatever it is, I I want to I want to do it. I want to be there, you know. I'd much rather live in that universe than this one. <laughs> and I don't know if how that's true of everybody, but but for me, it's it's that that is uh, that like you said with Lucas, he's he created such a an interesting and different uh, place, you know, for your imagination to just run wild. And and uh, I just I, I just want to be in it. I mean, that's all I can say. And I think that's going on with a lot of people, even though maybe they haven't analyzed it to that degree. And one of the things you see with um, with uh, old hands like us is you see the uh, the younger generation mm. popping up with these with these newer these newer movies trying to be gatekeepers. Yeah, and you hear them shouting, "Well, you know, if you're a fan of these, you're not a fan of the, oh. the real stuff." But there's a certain gatekeeper mentality that I always understood but never approved of and that's our generation whenever i look on facebook now at people i went to high school with who used to pick on me mercilessly and in their favorite things listed on facebook is star wars doctor who and star trek I want to reach to the screen and say, no, no, (laughs) no, you, you can't have this. You treated me like garbage because I like this. But then I have to take a deep breath and go, you know, we live in a world now where this person who really probably did like those things was so ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. They had to seek out other people and demean them for liking it. So people wouldn't think they did. Yeah, or they were either they were unaware, or yeah, there's I think very much that uh, there was a lot of closet. You know, I'm I'm getting getting threatened in fourth grade to get beat up because I'm wearing a Starbuck T-shirt, and I'm thinking, man, yeah. I can't be the only one in this school of 200 people 
that's watching right. Battlestar Galactica. Right. Yeah, it can't be, you know? But it's it, it, it was harder to find people back then. And if you found them, you hung on to them. <laughs> Because, you know, you, you well, had there was in no Internet. So no. we were all kind of, uh, you know, we're stuck with the conventions that happened. And, yeah. you know, we're also really young. So we didn't have the ability to travel the world far and wide to try to find people sure. who were connected to our interests. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I remember but, here. I remember hearing whenever Phantom Menace came out. Um, I remember hearing people who I used to know just talking about it. And I'm like, you really went to see that? You little son yeah. of a. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know well and and it's just things like uh, and i and i i had a tendency to fall into that sometimes um fortunately i've been able to to enjoy the new the, the disney era stuff vicariously through my kids i think i would have enjoyed it anyway but you know my first reaction when disney said we're going to do a, a new movie and we're going to have mark hamill and carrie Fair, i said i don't want to see that you know i just I don't, I don't, because we had just been through the Indiana Jones thing, and and I was still like in trauma from, you know, the whole the Crystal Skull. Like we <laughs> the don't Crystal Skull. Yeah, I'm like we don't. Who want? I do not want to see Carrie Carrie Fisher playing playing Princess Leia, uh, with dentures, you know, or whatever. Like I just don't want to see it. And then of course it was very different from what I had imagined it would be. But uh, that, yeah. a little bit of that grumpiness crept in, and and the huge. Uh, all the all the media craziness that surrounded it, and I thought, where were you guys when Shadows of the Empire came out, or where were you when you know, <laughs> um, like you have a tendency to uh, to say, well, my my Star Wars is best, and you see hashtags, not my Star Wars, and uh, I was like, fine, well, more pie for me, I guess, you know, they're just missing out because it's it's they, I think Disney's done a great job, uh, and again, coming back to the gaming thing. The games alone are a, a testament to, you know, the popularity of it. And, you know, you go to something like PAX Unplugged, X-Wing takes up more space almost than Warhammer anymore. Yeah. It's 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 just such a huge And, and same with Armada as well because that's, yeah. that's even bigger, you know. Yeah, it takes up more room. So it's uh, – yeah, it's 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 difficult at times to see. I, I totally I, – Brian, I get completely what you're saying. It's kind of like, okay – you used to bag on me because I was buying Star Wars books, but now you're standing in the snow to get in, in line to see, uh, you know, Last Jedi or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but it, here's the other side of that, and that is that, you know, okay, those guys who now say they like Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who, and they're, the, you know, they're the ones who picked on us, beat up on us, whatever it was, you've got to believe that something of that universe has crept into mm-hmm. their their way of seeing the world and they're going to be a different person now because other it, yeah. there are people who don't get it there are people who just they just fancy something because they fancy it and they don't get the deeper meaning underneath it all and that that becomes a challenge because if you're a fan of doctor who and you're still a fan of you know some of the political things right. going on in the world right now <laughs> you're, you're kind of missing the point you're kind right. of missing what it was that they were trying to say in the first place especially star trek um, oh yeah, That's because that is about a world that is much more ideal than our world, and unless of course you watch what's going on now. But yeah. I, either way, that that's meant to be kind of a beacon of hope on the future landscape. And depending on what era you join Star Wars, that is also a beacon of hope because typically the good guys win. You just have to wait right. and for for the ending right. of that, you know. And I think yeah. we're all still waiting on our ending for the good guys to win, yeah. but. 
Um, well, especially if you're into the expanded universe, they don't go into this much in the films, but in the expanded universe, women did not hold uh, rank in the Empire that you certainly weren't going to find. Thrawn was the, the most oddball character yeah. because he was a chiss. And, the, and uh, you know, the Empire, it, it talks, a, there's a lot of, of discussion in the novels and the, the, the EU uh, Legends canon now um, where it talks about the Empire being xenophobic and uh, enslaving aliens or, you know, tr treating Wookiees like they were, uh, you know, one third of a person or whatever, this kind yeah. of stuff. You know what I mean? And, and you don't get that in the movies a lot. And I understand why they don't, they're not too heavy handed with that. But uh, yeah, there's a disconnect there, I think, on some level um, for, for people. Um, and it and it's, uh, you know, some people, I think they like it maybe because their kids have dragged them into it and they go, oh, this is pretty mm -hmm. cool. But yeah, they don't get that deeper thing that's going on. There's a really, a really kind of timeless message underneath the idea of this, you know, this farm boy and the smuggler and royalty you know this princess coming together and doing what they they did at the very core of that it's it's just a really amazing uh amazing thing and and you'd, you'd love to see those kind of stories mirrored in in our reality uh where the 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 uh, the aristocracy can come together with the common person and the yeah. you know and the and, and 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 good things happen and everybody kind of gets on the same page you know well going back to the uh the doctor who political thing um, I know this is a Star Wars thing, but it's also prominent in the new Star Wars too. Um, I saw an argument the other day on Facebook. I just happened in on it somehow. And this person had said, um, I've been a fan of Doctor Who for years and I wish they would just um, leave. He said, I don't mind them having a woman doctor. That's not the point. I just wish they'd keep their politics out of it. And the person replied back and said, if the you're not getting fan it. Of Doctor Who, for, if you've been a fan of Doctor Who for years and you're just now noticing the political slant in this yeah. show, holy cow! You got to look at the only thing that's changed between what you liked and what you didn't like, mm -hmm. and that's the female lead. Yeah, as, if that's the if that's the thing that made you really understand the political leaning of this show, then I think that the character has done exactly what it needs to do yeah you need to pick at that <laughs> scab a little bit you know yeah. <laughs> so to so to speak kind of see what's underneath there because there's there's something else going on you know you know there's so. a theory that uh, that pretty much anything you do has a political bent to it like you can't do something that's non-political right even doing a podcast on star wars is political in some yeah. sense because we're supporting the universe that star wars is creating yeah. So it it seems uh, a ridiculous thing for people to people who come out of the world work and say things like that seem to be just saying uh, this doesn't match my values, right. right? And it just it just brings them up in like it rises them to the surface, so we're no longer stuck seeing them the way we saw them. Now we see them like this. Oh, like, oh, I, you're not. Right. You're what not do I do with you now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As Mark Cohn says, like, what do I do now? with this person now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I I said something like that. <laughs> I said something like that to a student once. Uh, I, I said, you know, everything that you do, write or say, has some kind of political leaning to it. Has some sort of ideological leaning to it. And he said, well, you know, breathing doesn't have an ideological leaning to it. I said, I said, watch this. You just said something very ideal ideological, right? He goes, yeah. I said, don't no, watch this. I said, you hear that sigh? Yeah. That was my ideological way of sighing because I'm breathing because I'm sighing at your belief right. that is completely incorrect. So, yes, 
the way someone breathes can have something to do with it. And he just stood there and stared at me a minute. He says, you think too much, Mr. Peace. <laughs> Which is not a thing. You can't, I, don't, I don't think you can do that. I don't think it's possible to think too much, you know, and it, with the, and, and, you know, it's even, I think there's a lot, there's a thing right now where people are, are really on uh, this, this bandwagon of, uh, we'll, you know, the, the Kathleen Kennedy and all these are, are trying to insert politics into Star Wars, just like with Doctor Who. And I'm like, ah, you know, if you didn't really get the idea of who the Empire was and what the Rebellion was in about the first 30 seconds of the first film, right. I really don't know how to help you at this point. If you're <laughs> if you're nine movies in and you think that people are artificially inserting uh, diversity and women and leadership roles and all that, I... Have, did you did you see the first film? You remember, yeah, you, like the, you didn't make it through things in yeah. the way that that I did. That first corridor scene with Princess Leia—it tells you every single thing you need to know about what's going on politically in that universe at that moment. You know? Yeah. I mean, they said, "Look, it's a princess who needed saving. She needed someone to open a door." Right. The minute they opened the door, the first thing she Boom. did was grab someone's laser rifle and say, thank you. I'm going to take this and I'll defend myself yep. from now on. Thank you. Right. And you're doing yeah. it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, into the garbage chute, Flyboy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's just part of the whole thing. And, you know, the books, um, it's one of those things about go, when you go deeper into something, um, you know, you start finding all kinds of other stuff. The people that don't think about it a lot are not going to be the ones to go read the books and play the games and, and all these things. Even in the video games, you know, you, you find uh, a lot of the the more heavy-handed political uh, stuff in Star Wars. The, the books are, are are really really heavy with with that. Uh, I think more more than the games, but it's it's even in the games. It's 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 everywhere. In, in that so universe. I was going to ask that: Is it in the games? Do those things that drive us to the Star Wars universe, do they exist in the games, and do they allow us to experience Star Wars in a way that further enhances our understanding of those things? Boy, that's a tough one. I don't know. And, and I'll come with the I know, answer, actually. I know the role-playing games do. The, <laughs> oh, the role-playing games, games absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Edge of the Empire and Rebellion. Even the old... Uh, what are the D is the D six or D eight? What's the yeah the uh, West End games? The D6. West End, yeah, even yeah. that one. Um, I've never played it, but I've I've read through the core book. Um, so so yeah. tell me how it does show games. up in the RPGs then. Uh it, it that I, I with as with any RPG, I think it depends on the uh, on the the GM. Sure. Uh, how much they're infusing that in there, but. Um, I don't know that you know. I think in in any RPG, it's it's you're you're inherently going to have uh, opportunities for that stuff. I don't know if Star Wars is especially that way. I I, I play a, you know a female character uh, in the RP in the Edge of the Empire game uh, that I'm that I'm involved in, and uh, one of my sons does, and it's not necessarily th there's nothing to that other than just. Hey, we uh, you know we think it would be interesting to to play the character in this way. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that's, of course, uh, I'm sure inspired by you know Princess Leia and Mara Jade Skywalker and uh, some of these really strong uh, uh, Jaina Solo, some of these really strong female characters. Um, Ray, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you, when I, so I, I guess I could see it in the RPGs that like if you're coming to it as a Star Wars fan, you already you don't, you have no problem with a female lead. 
you know, going back to the Doctor Who thing, uh, we, we bought into that immediately with Ray in Force Awakens. Like, sure, it's not Finn, it's her. Okay, I'm good. When's the next movie coming, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're kind of coming to the table as a Star Wars fan, I think, with those uh, that kind of uh, mentality already. And, and hopefully the GM is doing that. I know that's not always the case, but um, I think that's one way. And just, you know, you got you can play any any kind of character you want, but that's in any RPG. Um, so I don't know. Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and some of these are obviously were more male-centric from the outset. You can always tell from the cover of the book because the female character is always wearing this ridiculously small metal <laughs> bikini, you know, as her yeah. armor. Um, you're not going to... You're not going to get that in in the Star Wars universe, really. Um, so there, there, I think there's a little bit of a, a difference there, and and maybe we're comparing apples and oranges. I don't know the minis. I don't know what Brian. What do you think? I mean, do, 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 I, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to think of how the minis games would would uh, incorporate that. Not really at all. Um, <laughs> I will tell you from my perspective in the role playing games, though. Um, I ran the D20 version and I played the heck out of the D6 version and I had mm. tons of source books. Right. And in reading the source books, they lay out how the um, the ideology for the Empire, the Rebellion, and the different other factions in a way that they could never have done it in the books. Because they have yeah. to do it through story in right. the books and the movies. In the source books, they can come right out and... They, they don't do the show, don't tell. They do the tell. Mm -hmm. the, your game is supposed to do show, don't tell. But as the game master, you need to know that the, the Wookiee race was enslaved by the Empire. Mm -hmm. And they were tr and because they had a natural ability with um, engineering, which is why Chewbacca was doing most of the repairs yeah, a mechanic. on the Millennium Falcon, because he was a yeah. trained mechanic. Yeah. Um, and the reason why he was with Han Solo was because he sworn a life debt to him because Han freed him from enslavement with the Empire. Right. So you get all this backstory. Right. You get to find out how xenophobic the Empire is. Because right. as you're talking about different races and you're talking about the different factions, they come straight out and say, the Empire does not have women in lead roles. Right. The Empire does not have aliens in lead roles. Up until... Thrawn came in, and Thrawn came in with the Timothy Zahn novels. Right. And you and, had, uh, what was the, was it Dahlia? Is that the one yeah, I'm thinking of? Yeah. I think so. But the whole idea of, um, of the political aspect of it, it was there in the stories, but the role-playing game laid it out almost in charted-out terms, telling you explicitly, this is how they think, this is how they act, and here's how these different races think. Um, the huts um, treat other races and other genders like this. And they pretty much laid out how the Star Wars universe acted based on what they were able to pull out of the, the source material, the books and the movies. And they just laid it out like that. They never come straight out and say that women are not part of the Empire structure. You just look around the ships and you make you know. note of that right. yeah. you never find you never they never come straight out and say that we do not allow you know aliens non-humans to be part of the empire you just look around and notice there are no M aliens as part of the empire unless they're being mm -hmm. hired as bounty hunters and even then right. 
you look at how they treat them behind Darth Vader's back. Yeah. They're like, why do we have this scum on board? And you realize right. they're not talking about the bounty hunters. They're talking about nope. the fact that they're aliens, right? That they're non-humans, right? There's a transocean standing there and, you know, all these other species. Yeah. The, the, and they don't, and they don't, uh, even the IG droids, I don't, I think there's some stuff in the Mandalorian, uh, if I'm remembering some offhand comments that are very derogatory toward, uh, well, the Mandalorian himself is is very anti-droid, but the Empire, uh, you know, they use the probe droids and they've got droids on the ships and all that. But as far as sentient, uh, kind of self-aware uh, droids, there's a there's a lot of talk of that in the books, and I, I, even in the Edge of the Empire core book, it it goes into to what you're talking about. Uh, so that's carried over, you know, into the new. Uh, the new role-playing games with the uh, the whole women, women and aliens, and all that that kind of stuff. In the minis games, I don't really see that. I mean, I it just you know it incorporates uh, female characters like Mon Mothma, uh, Brian. If you play Rebellion, like Mon Mothma, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're play if you're playing the side of the rebels, she's a heavy hitter. You know, I mean, she can go up against Palpatine and these uh, diplomatic missions and things like that. So you get. You get uh, it's it, Leia and, and Mon Mothma are not kind of like side characters. They're they're your go tos <laughs> for right. for uh, rightly so because these are the roles they played in the movies. So I think it, anything like that naturally carries over from the movies, but it's not explicit in the in the board games or the minis games. Yeah, and one person um, in in a kind of a discussion of the same thing said, "Well, Mara Jade was, you know, the oh, Emperor's." Huge. The emperor, he, the emperor trained her. I said, yeah, notice he kept her a deep, dark secret that he yeah. never told anyone, even Vader, about. Yeah. Well, yeah. and look at uh, if you look in the Clone Wars cartoons and things like that, uh, I think they did a pretty good job of keep – Ventress was kind of like the, the redheaded stepchild, you know, yeah. saw yeah. Ventress. They utilized her, but she was not in the camp, you know. They just – they didn't uh, treat her with the same deference that they did uh, Dooku or uh, some of these others, you know. So there's some value in playing the Star Wars universe, maybe because, like, if you're coming to the Star Wars games and you've never experienced Star Wars, I'm not sure that you'd get out of it what you get out of the movies. But if you have engaged in the movies, you've engaged in the books and all the different media that exists in Star Wars, and you get the opportunity to play in that world, it probably just brings it home more, the things that you're already dealing with. And when it comes to the minis, Maybe not so much because really just playing war games at that point, you're not really, unless you're playing Imperial Assault or something, you really don't have a storyline. Right. I mean, as far as I know, you don't really have a storyline uh, that's going along with that. The Armada X-wing, campaigns really do a, a little bit, but yeah, there's not much. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a great deal we can talk about the themes of it. And as a literature teacher, that's one of my things, Holy right? Holy cow, man, yeah. But... I mean, I understand. I I do appreciate games like um, X Wing and Armada because part of Star Wars really is the spectacle. Okay. I mean, you you can't ignore the spectacle of it. I mean, what was the best part of um, what was the part of um, Phantom Menace that made you forgive them almost for Jar Jar Binks? Hmm. <laughs> Duel of the Fates? Yeah, there were several for me. I mean, I'm I'm probably not as hard on those movies as a lot of people are, but... um, I don't think I am either. But yeah, Duel of the Fates was incredible. I mean, the lightsaber duels, the Coliseum battle, you know, and Clone Wars. um. I'm talking about just the first movie. Oh, the Pod Race. I was was going through it thinking, 
oh god if they just didn't have jar jar binks in it i would love this movie and then you get to the end and you had that fight with um the fight between the three yeah and i'm like this it was incredible this this saves the movie for me yeah. okay this is good yeah um yeah. so yeah there's always I mean, yeah, the there's always that bit of spectacle to it yeah. that that is a big big part of star wars and you, you know the other thing that i i would hope that happens for people who like i don't know i don't know if you want to call them casual fans or whatever like the the, the, the guy that's buying the t-shirt for his kid at walmart that guy yeah. you know yeah. Um, who's never read a book, never anything. So maybe they sit down and they play one of these games. When you're playing Outer Rim, you're picking up characters like uh, Hera from Rebels. You're picking up um, Ahsoka you know, from, from uh, Snips, from uh, Clone Wars. You're mm -hmm. getting a lot of little side characters. People are going, now who is this? I don't even know who this is. Um, and the, the card text are interesting uh, for some of these. Um, I would hope that as they're seeing this, they're going, wow, there's there's so much more to this universe than just the movies. Because now I'm getting into these games and there's all these games and all these characters I don't recognize. To me, the best thing that could happen to somebody like that would be, you know, to, to get dragged into a game or whatever. And from that, then jump off into the Rebels uh, cartoon or the Clone Wars or maybe to reading some of the books. Because that's where you're starting to, to dig a little deeper. And like we were talking about the values uh, that are kind of, that are there in the movie, it's just part of the world building in the movie, but they're really fleshed out in some of these other, uh, these other types of media. Uh, the, 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 I don't know if you guys, you probably have, but if you've not, anybody listening to this, if you've not seen the four season rebels cartoon uh, for me, I think that that's one of the, the best things uh, that Disney's has done in this universe. The characters are so good and there's a lot of heaviness to it. And it's a, that, that is a place where if you are just a casual star Wars fan and uh, you're, you're going to see these characters in debt, they have their own destiny cards. They're, they're in several of the games. Um, you come back to that, to that four season TV series. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're, you know, it's a kid's show, but uh, the last season or so, man, I had to drink a glass of wine after, you know, smoke a cigar or something. <laughs> it was, it, it, I mean, it really made me contemplate serious real life things and, and the way that I uh, think about life and, and my interactions with other people. And that, that sounds, in, in geekdom, you know, we all know that this happens all the time whenever you... Sure. Are, uh, but, but for the guy buying the t-shirt for his kid at Walmart, he's like, really? Star Wars does that for you? Like, yeah, but you got You need to invest a little deeper in it and you will see why there's a, there's a bit of a difference between people who just go see the movies when they come out and those of us who are out buying the ebooks to fill in the spaces between the movies and want to know all this other stuff you know there's a reason for that it's because there's there is so much depth uh there and so much more to that they that that disney and lucasfilm have put into these characters that you just you don't really get all of it from the movies it's like watching the harry potter movies and then reading the books you're like, mm -hmm. wow, Tonks is a huge character, you know. And these books, yes. where, where was she in the movies, you know? Um, so I, when I, I think when there's I say value my in that. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I go thought, ahead. Sorry, sorry. I thought you just rounded out. When I say my prayers at night, one of the things I pray is that Netflix or somebody decides <laughs> to make a Harry Potter um, miniseries, kind of like Game of Thrones. Yes, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that would and, be. Yeah. Uh... 
Yeah, show us more Luna, show us more Remus and Tonks. You know, all these characters that just, they didn't get enough screen time, and they're they're so good. They're so crucial uh, to the story. Uh, they're, they're, you know, there's that whole thing that, that uh, if, if you watch the Clone Wars and even in, in Rebels, there's this relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin that, you know, it, I mean, she's not even a character in the movies, but it is one of the best things in the Star oh, it's, Wars it's universe. Oh, it's fantastic to watch it, that relationship. Oh, my gosh. And it's heartbreaking, but it's also, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of life application uh, from from that. So that's always the thing I hope when somebody's, you know, kind of taking, as, as Kenobi would say, you know, taking your step into a much larger world when they go from watching the movies into, oh, I'll try a Star Wars game. I like Star Wars. And you show them Destiny yeah. or whatever. And they start they start kind of getting sucked in. There's 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 only good things at the end of that, you know, uh, to my mind. It occurs to me that maybe the whole role of being a geek, and we haven't really defined that term or anything, and we don't really have to, but the whole idea is that there is depth to those things that we see on the surface and get caught by. Yeah. And... If you dig deep enough, deep enough, like we're talking about with the Star Wars universe, if you dig deep enough, you can find things that can be applied to your life. You can find meaning that you didn't see before. You can find things that provide direction or provide uh, kind of a moral story that you can sort of live your life by. And maybe that's the heart of being a geek is to find the meaning in those things that people that other people might find to be just surface interests. And that's what we're talking about with the Star Wars games is that you can you can dig deeper. You can go into the world and and engage it in a way that's going to make a difference to your life. Yeah. Well, and, and I can I ask the question? I mean, I don't know about you guys. For me, um, you know, I, I was kind of in and out of, of religion for a while and and all that in my, my 20s and 30s. But the, the whole Star Wars thing and uh, – kind of the ethics that it that it espoused it's something that it's it has been kind of a moral compass uh for me in a lot of ways have you guys found that true at this age looking back or no that's a hell of a question yeah Uh, (laughs) so you're, you're what you're asking is how is it informed our moral compass in a way yeah like yeah because whether you're i mean obviously there's so many parallels to various religions in it but even if you're not a religious person um you know some of these things like luke leaving dagobah because his friends are in trouble despite the fact that that he's being told this you may die you know um does that inform relationships is it um uh you know things like uh um Oh gosh, you go on and on. Chewie's life debt. I mean, there's there's, there's so many things. Um, I, I just I know I've come to crossroads in my life, and I, I it's not kind of like what would Luke do kind of thing, but I I think back to uh, you know different choices that characters made in the movies, books, or whatever, and and I, I I don't I wouldn't say I live by those, but it definitely I think it's ingrained in my kind of ethical DNA, if you want to put it that way. Like yeah. about the values uh, from from that from a young age. Okay, so this is an interesting topic. I was actually just thinking about, um, and it comes from a perspective like I, like I've said in other episodes. I'm bipolar type two, mm-hmm. and so over the course of my life, when I was younger, I was actually type one, um, and I mellowed out, I guess, over the years. But Star Wars helped me. In a, I mean, in a very, very real, tangible way, um, watching the movies, you watched how Luke 
succeeded or failed based not necessarily on his actions, but his intention behind right. his actions. Or even his abilities. Mm -hmm. Right. But mostly because of his intentions, right. especially in Empire. Right. Empire ends on a down note. He loses his hand. Um, and frankly, odds, and frankly, Han and Leia would, Han and Leia and Chewie would have been fine without him showing up. Mm -hmm. Lando was worse. <laughs> La Lando was, yeah, Lando was going to let them go anyway. He was, he was going to figure out a way to get, get them out anyway, without Luke ever showing up. Luke only made things worse on himself by doing that. But why? He had the best of intentions going there. But when he got into the fight with Darth Vader, which he didn't even need to get into, he got into it out of anger. Right. So he was not being mindful of his own intentions for doing things, his own reasons for doing things. Mm -hmm. He told himself it was for this reason, but really it was for that. And then in the final movie, he centered himself. He found he he was able to control his emotions and be mindful of how he was reacting to situations. He let himself slip once during the battle because the emperor goaded him on. Right, but then he Leia. then he he was mindful. He, he had studied the way to be mindful of that, even before mindfulness was a, a buzzword. Right. And recentered himself on his purpose for being there. And on how and reminding himself how he needed to react to situations. And as a kid growing up, the idea that he did not, I mean, me wondering, why did he even go after Vader? Oh, because he was ticked off at him. Mm -hmm. His goal was to save these guys. And he saw them. Yeah, but didn't go after but him. But didn't go after them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Leia even told him it was a trap. But while he was there ostensibly to save his friends, really he wanted to be there to face Vader. Yeah. A little, little bit down. of a hero complex there too. I blew up the Death yeah. Star. I can go, you know. <laughs> right. So throughout my life, that's that's been a big thing for me is, like I said, whenever mindfulness came along, I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of how I survived my adolescence and adulthood. I wasn't even diagnosed until I was 47. So I survived all that time largely honestly if i'm being completely honest with myself in part due to the lessons i learned in the original trilogy yeah well see and i i was i was in my 20s we were in our 20s when when uh late 20s probably when phantom menace came out and i my my favorite moment and this is going to sound like blasphemy for those people our age who grew up with the original <laughs> films my favorite moment in the whole star wars universe is in the phantom menace and you talk about mindfulness um when Qui-Gon Jinn, Qui-Gon Jinn, you know, he, that, that wall comes between him and, uh -huh. and Darth Maul and he, he sits, he just kneels down and meditates. It's like everything that's good in the Star Wars universe, every value, every um, kind of lesson that's there is embodied in that because he is just calm in the center of this horrible situation. You know, and and, and look is, at what Darth Maul's and doing. Maul is just pacing, pacing back and pacing, forth, pacing. staring, yeah. exuding hate. Yeah, and so you can you know, you find yourself in those life situations. For me, at least, where I'm just ranting and raging and and all of this, and I'm thinking, you know, that it, there, there's such a message there that that like a picture tells a thousand, or a, a picture's worth a thousand words, and and that contrast of you know how how, am I, how I'm behaving right now is really uh, it's just the outward. Uh, evidence of what's going on inside. Qui Gon was centered. He knew who he was. Darth Maul yeah. didn't. You know, he didn't. He was. He was. 
uh, he was lost and and he was pacing, uh, angry and all this. So that I th- that that was to me. If if Lucas did anything right in the prequels, um, I think that moment was just brilliant uh, in in terms of of just teaching something like a life value value uh, and, and teaching something without really saying anything. I thought that was incredible. There's a few things that that hit me that have stayed with me, and, and you, you talk about Star Wars becoming a moral compass. There's just a few moments in the series that have just stuck with me. The first one is Luke on Dagobah going into the dark cave, mm. and Yoda says, he asks, you know, Yoda, what's in there? He says, only that which you take with you. And so Luke chooses to take his uh, lightsaber with him, right? Or is it... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he lightsaber. Takes his, yeah, he takes his lightsaber. He takes his blaster pistol. Takes, yeah, that blaster well. pistol. That's so he right. He takes all. He because he says your weapons. You know, but he takes all of his weapons. And right, all of his and frustration so that's what he finds his... inside <laughs> in this kind of mirror universe that he enters into. Yeah. That's what he finds inside. So yeah. that that whole idea of only that which you take with you is kind of yeah. ridiculous or not. Whether or not it's proven out, I have no idea. But it's always been kind of a bylaw for me is that I don't, I don't engage in things that are going to come back at me right. if I'm not going to be able to handle those things. Yeah. And so that, that kind of feeds me. I can see that. Um, yeah. Another moment that feeds me is from Qui-Gon Jinn, and it's just a ridiculous short moment. It doesn't really matter in the course of the whole story. But um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Jar Jar are in the uh, the vessel that goes underwater. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're being chased by this monster fish. And this other fish comes along and grabs the fish, and <laughs> Qui Gon just kind of offhand says, "Always a bigger Always fish." A bigger fish, yeah. And it, it's such an important moment because that realization that hierarchy does not work as much as we would. I mean, it just it's there was always going to be something. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody on top of somebody on top of somebody. Yeah. And, yeah. and so those kind of moments are the ones that really feed me. And I'm sure there's a lot more I could point to. Obviously, the one with Qui-Gon sitting in front of Darth Maul has always been a go-to for me about yeah. you know how I'm yeah. going to handle myself when I feel like I'm raging on one side of the, the equation. Yeah. Because even though I'm not Qui-Gon and I'm not Darth Maul, I have been both yeah. in, in terms of my emotional response to things. And when I catch myself being Darth Maul, I'm... I'm more likely to move myself to Qui-Gon because I'm like, that's not who I want to be. Right. But I have to catch myself. I have to have the reflection. And having that reflection in the world, in the media, has made a huge difference to me. Going back to that Dagobah reference you made, um, that was the genesis of the idea that it's not the world against me. It's not always me against everything in the world. That sometimes... If you're not paying attention to what you're doing, you could be your own worst enemy. Well, that's what I yeah. say. He, he carried in there. It wasn't just, the, I mean, the weapons, obviously. That's the big thing. But everything that he'd been experiencing, it's like he was frustrated. He was confused. He felt a little lost. He was, you know, expecting Yoda. To, his expectations had not been met. There was all this other stuff, that this inner turmoil that he took in there with him, you know. Which, if he had done the Qui Gon Jinn thing right then, said, "Well, before I go in there, you know, let me chill out for a minute and just kind of remember who I am and remember what the point of all this is." Then maybe that would have turned out differently, you know. Uh, but I, but I, I don't know. He took the weapons in, so I think you're going to find what you're going to find. But but uh, <laughs> you know, it's there. I, the, and it, it, like you, uh, uh, what you said this earlier, it's frustrating to think that you know 
people are taking all this stuff away uh, from from these movies um, and the literature and everything else, and Lucas is just kind of oblivious to it. I, I get frustrated by that, but at the same time, I I think you you find meaning uh, you can find meaning in anything if it's personal to you. Uh, yeah. and, and, and speaks to you uh, in where you're at in life. And I could get into a whole, I mean, there's so many applications for that and Firefly and Battlestar and all these other, you know, geek nerd uh, uh, things. But yeah, Star Wars has always been the big one for me uh, when it comes to that. It seems like there's always something, no matter what you're, you're facing, there's always some kind of applicable thing uh the qui the being the big thing well, and because i'm like i mentioned earlier you know going through the heart transplant and all that i mean mm-hmm. you're, you're in this constant panicky fight or flight state and people are sticking things in you and you know I, i'm i'm needle phobic and so you know all this and and it's like you know I, I can be on one side of that 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 gate or on the other side and i really want to come out on at the end of all this having been qui-gon not darth maul because i've seen both you know uh, so I, that image is just kind of burned into my brain uh, when, when, it, when it came to all that stuff. So, yeah, there's just so many, so many. I mean, we could sit here all day and cite different yeah, moments. Yeah, it sure. would be very easy because <laughs> even the newest one for me would be, you know, never underestimate a droid. That's right, um, yeah. But exactly. that, that has more meaning than just the simple statement that it is. Yeah, right. It's uh, there's there's just so much there's a, it's a treasure trove you know and I think Disney's been a little more purposeful about that than uh, Lucasfilm was with the first six even. And, and Lucas seems to have kind of clean, created kind of a clockmaker's universe where he just created the clock and it's it's right. just doing its thing and he really doesn't want to pay any attention to it. He keeps being brought back to it again and again. Yeah. Even now I hear that he's. Um, engaged in some discussion about things that are going to happen in the Disney universe, Star Wars, um, oh, wow. which is both exciting and scary at the same time because yeah. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Yeah. Um, but it's disappointing to me that he doesn't find the meaning in some of the things I find meaning in. Right. Um, you, you hope that your creator is going to be um, understanding of your your development, but he doesn't seem to be. No. Uh-uh. Now, you you said something about the never underestimated droid, and that's kind of a sideways kind of joking reference there. Until, for me, the thing I connected that to was not the smaller droids where people were saying, don't, you know, don't miss, don't um, underestimate them because they're small. Right. But throughout the entire series, there was one truism. Anytime stuff got real... C-3PO is going to wet his drawers. Yeah. <laughs> and then right near the end, because the entire series, everyone underestimates him and says, of course, you know, 3PO yeah, is going to be terrified and he's going to back off. You can't depend yeah. on him, really. Yeah. And when it came down to it and he had to make a hard decision to yeah. sacrifice himself, he chose to sacrifice himself, which is something I would have never imagined yeah. him doing. But over the course of those last three movies... You got to see character growth in him. Oh man, nobody's talking about that. Yeah, uh, no. that I see. But the C three PO's character arc—they yeah. could not have ended that more perfectly to me. Uh, I, was, that's just been incredible to to watch if you if you lay it, the whole thing out. I mean, they they really did a great job. And I, I think it, it's that's re- got to be redeeming for Anthony Daniels too. So, you know, like, yeah. hey man, my character in the end saved the day, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Finally, <laughs> he lost a couple of days of memory, but he did. when when he chose to do that, it could have completely destroyed his memory banks. 
Well, that was terrifying. I, I don't do spoilers, and and but uh, you know, in the trailer, that was the most horrifying, intriguing part of the trailer was when he said he was taking one last look at his friend. Like, what in the what's going to happen? Yeah, here? right, you know? right, right. Oh my God! You know, it's the last movie. Anything could happen. Um, so what I hear in that statement, and and I don't want to go too much deeper, but uh, what I hear in that statement about never underestimated droid is. Really, the droids in the universe are mostly slaves. Some of them yeah. are, are are very conscious slaves and do things that really move the story forward. R2 is a hero mm. throughout the series, whether anybody makes that realization or not. Um, but it, it really comes down to never underestimate a slave. Yeah. Never underestimate, um, you know, don't underestimate someone who's playing a role. Yeah. And that that's powerful in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yep. there's, there's been so much to talk about, and, and gaming in the Star Wars universe is huge right now, even if Imperial uh-huh. Assault is, is going away, which makes me sad because I haven't really got to really engage it as much as I wanted to. We're, um, I'm finding more and more players. I mean, I don't know where, how, where else in the country if that's going on, but, but in, Har- in the Harrisburg area, um, we, I, I've, there's significantly more people playing it now than there, were, than there was a year ago, which is – I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the, the game's cheaper now. Uh, or something. I don't know what's going on. I, I think it's still in the sixty dollars range because it? it's just so many, so many minis and so much uh, material. Yeah. Um. Un- unfortunately, I, I, I'm sure that everyone's going to grimace when I say that my copy is still in shrink wrap on the shelf. Yeah. Although oh. I have played it a few times. <laughs> right. You know that that's part of my, my own legacy is this this shelf full of unplayed. All right. Great games. Yeah. Um, but Your shelf uh, of shame. The shelf. My of shelf shame. of shame. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know that there's an app for it now, and that you can play yeah. it uh, using the app, and I, I think that's fantastic. And I really want to get into that that world sometime soon. Um, but there, there's just so much to do in the Star Wars universe, and and the fact that these games are bringing it home is really nice to see. I'm still a huge fan of Queen's Gambit. For a while, I was saying things like the best thing out of Phantom Menace was Queen's Gambit. I'm not really of that mind anymore, but it's still a fantastic game. It's a fantastic way to sort of, it's it's mostly a war game and a miniatures game in the sense that you're you're trying to battle on three fronts. There's really not a lot of philosophy going on in it, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a neat little game and not available anywhere anymore. It's like mm-hmm. three hundred dollars on Amazon right now or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many games out there, and I I can't imagine that there aren't more coming with you know having, yeah. having now seen the rise of Skywalker, having now seen the Mandalorian. I'm sure that Fantasy Flight is going to up its game and and start creating uh, new games in the universe, and I'm excited about that. Um, I'm not of the mind that, um, as one person said to me that, um, the games are are just games with Star Wars thrown over the top to try to sell them because they're not good games. I'm not mm. of that mind whatsoever. Nah, I'm impressed I, you with said what that I've 10 seen years ago, but with Fantasy yeah. Flight, that's sure, not the case with Fantasy at all. Flight coming along, you have a much different sort of thing going on. And even though X-wing was uh, just a reskin of um, some earlier uh, uh, dogfight games, um, it's it's still fantastic. It's it's. It's one of the better um, versions of that, I think. I think 2.0, which a lot of people I know sold everything and jumped ship when the 2.0 thing happened, but I think that was the attempt to make it its own thing rather than just a reskinned version. I mean, the, the mechanics are much the same, but it, I, I think it has a, a 
a much stronger individual personality now than than the original one did. Um, yeah. Since they kind of revamped some some things. It was Wings of War, right? Is that the one I'm thinking of that was the original version yeah. of this this I think uh, so. Dogfight yeah. in the sky. Really well done idea. I love I love everything about that. Yeah. Um So yeah, we we've uh, we've kind of pointed to it, I think, the idea that Star Wars gaming in the Star Wars universe matters yeah. because it it engages us in the Star Wars universe and it 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 hopefully brings some of that home. At the very least, it continues the story outside of the media that already exists because we're now part of the story, which is exciting. It, it might be worth saying too, you know, Fantasy Flight. Um, and I, I always sound like a Fantasy Flight fanboy. I'm not. I hate. They have way. <laughs> they're they are way too involved in my family financing. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> is the way I say it. But um, you know, and, and and Brian, you know, if you play these games, it's really incredible the way that they have taken individual characters and things that these characters did in the movies that you notice and they've translated that into the way that the characters work in the games you know uh in 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 imperial assault if you if you kill the greedo character he gets a last shot at you you know before he <laughs> before he leaves the board i mean that's just one yeah. small but even if you look at the way wedge and tycho and and lando and all these guys the the things that they that their ships are able to do in X-wing, you're like, oh, that they did that maneuver in Return of the Jedi, or that, yeah, it would make sense that, um, you know, that that Wedge would be an escort, it would have this keyword, or they in Destiny, it's it's just really interesting to me the way that they have taken these such care with these characters to make sure that whatever they're doing in the game, it's something that their character would have done in the movie, or it's a an ability or a uh, an asset that they would have brought to the table. Uh, in the movie, I, I would have never thought you could do that, but they've done a fantastic job of that. Yeah, anytime I hear that they've gotten a license for some property that I like, I just start rubbing my hands together. Oh, they got the Cthulhu license. Oh, mm, nice. Yes, right. they got Battlestar Galactica. Yes, this is going to yeah, be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. If you've played the Game of Thrones card game, the, the way the houses work and the different things that they do, it's it's great. It follows the books. You know, it's it's definitely not a reskin in that sense. Um, their Lord of the Rings uh, games are just dripping with theme. Really? See, I've not yes. played any of those. Oh, yeah. Yes, those are really good. Um, yeah, they, that, that is one thing you can say for them um, that, that you can't say for a lot of games that get these IPs. So ultimately, even though we've talked about Star Wars, we've ultimately talked about the way that IPs matter in the gaming universe because it brings us closer to the the things that we already love in the first place. And, and so we could easily do a Battlestar show. We could easily do a Lord oh. of the Rings show. We could do yeah. a Star Trek show. <laughs> um, although I don't think they've done a really good job of bringing the Star Trek universe to the board game arena. But we could do that because there, if you engage in something and, and you love it and you can bring it to life on the table, I think that's just a fantastic situation. Um, any final thoughts before we close out? Anything you feel like you gained from from our discussion here today that you didn't have before, or anything else you want you guys want to say? Uh, it's it's been great talk. I love being able to use these references like the dark times, you know, in the nineties, and you guys know <laughs> what I mean. Like there's a shorthand for people, you know, that uh, our age that that kind of you know, kind of been there from from that uh, from way back. So that that's I've definitely enjoyed the conversation in that sense. I appreciate you guys having me. 
I think I, I talked probably more than anybody, but it, it, it is something I'm really passionate about, Star Wars in general, but the gaming aspect, it's it's uh, it's just been such a huge thing for uh, for me and my family, So, and I don't get to talk about that very often, so this has been really, really fun. Excellent. Um, side note, something I just popped in that leave you guys leave you guys with a little food for thought talking about never underestimate under, underestimating a droid yes do you remember in the very first movie in order to get r2 to play the entire princess leia thing mm-hmm. luke popped off the control note control node yeah. which allowed yes. him to escape yes they never said they put it back on him yeah. <laughs> so the first three movies, he was under their control. They could control what he did. And he had to be part of the stories. But from A New Hope on, he was part of the rebellion on purpose. Yeah, he was his own he agent. Chose, he chose to sacrifice himself getting in the back of Luke's X-Wing. He chose everything that came from that point onward. And that's why Leia says never underestimate a droid. Because yeah. deep down, I think she became aware of that. She noticed, hey, this guy doesn't have a control note. <laughs> yeah. And we've all heard the theory that the, the whole the whole story from beginning to end is really told through, uh, is, is it's R2-D2 really telling the story. Have you guys yes. seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. All nine movies are really R2-D2's story. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting Fantastic. interesting way of, of, of if you anybody listening to this, if you haven't watched the movie's in that way and thought about it just pay close attention to r2 and 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 with that in mind it's it's it you start seeing things you didn't notice before because the minute he got that control node popped off he joined the rebellion before luke did yeah he did he was all he was he was good to oh go. yeah he was all on board <laughs> I mean, yeah that's a good point the minute that thing popped off first thing he did was Screw you guys! I'm going to go find Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi. Yeah, big, <laughs> yep. bigger things going on than the oil bath here, or whatever. You know, <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about Star Wars and gaming, and uh, um, we made it through the whole episode without talking about Monopoly. That's so good. Drink. Yeah, I, some, I almost did, but you guys got into another topic of conversation right at the beginning, when he said something. When Dave said something about um, about you know playing Catan and you know yeah, you know, we all had that phase. Playing, and... We all had that phase. I was like, <laughs> we did an entire episode of Monopoly. Uh, no, no, you you got nothing on us. Sorry. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's, I still that's, like uh, Catan in a way. I still do too. It. There's a lot of nostalgia attached to it, you know, for yeah. for me. Um. Which is part of the Star Wars thing too, a lot of nostalgia and memories and all that. But um, yeah, I, sometimes I try to go months if I can without thinking about Monopoly. It's like a game I play with myself. How, how long can I not think about Monopoly? You know, every Dave, now you and should then listen you... to our Monopoly episode that we just did very recently. <laughs> I will do that. That sounds. That sounds. I can. I can see Dave just walking, walking through. You know, walking into a restaurant, going to sit down, and go. God. Why? What happened? Why is there Star Wars? I just thought of Monopoly. Yeah. Sorry, it just popped into my head. Guy wearing a top I lost hat. the game. The guy wearing a top hat over there, and I'm just, you know, yeah. You, you know, if you've ever you go through Target or Walmart or whatever, and you hit one of those end caps, you just stand there and you go, "Why? Why? I don't understand why." I, <laughs> I have that experience from time to time. But why are you looking at Monopoly? There's a far greater world. Yeah. <laughs> 
exactly. You want to, you do you want to kind of stand there with the sign like friends don't let friends play Monopoly. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much, yeah, and thank you. Uh, for everybody else out there, uh, keep on rolling for change and use the force. May the Schwartz be with you. Always. All right, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us for the Rolling for Change podcast. Rolling for Change is a member of the Geek Therapy Network. To find more of our amazing geeky podcasts, set coordinates for network.geektherapy.com. If you wish to contact us, you can email us. We are gamers at rollingforchange.com. Talk to us on the Geek Therapy Discord. That's geektherapy.com forward slash discord. Our Twitter handle is at rollforchange. The theme music you're hearing is by Rocket Scientists, purveyors of galactic tunes and a good choice for a cantina band. You can find their music at bandcamp.com forward slash rocket scientists. No banthas or womp rats were harmed during the making of this episode. We look forward to your custom in the future. Keep on rolling for change. Rolling for change.